0: Switchcraft is brought to you live three times a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern and on Saturday at whatever time I can get to it. Tune in live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. Uh, This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by Brad McConnell. Support Switchcraft and my other content for as little as a dollar over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp and get access to a bonus podcast that is only for patrons exclusively. Uh, Again, that URL is patreon.com slash run jump stomp. So Nintendo tweeted out a story today, which is very interesting to me. If you didn't know, I'm a teacher. And, uh, you know, we have had conversations, uh, me and other teachers um, who talk about uh, STEAM, which is science, technology, uh, engineering, arts and math. And we talk about bringing STEAM principles into the classroom using whatever means that we can. And somebody had brought up uh, Nintendo Labo as a really good way to introduce this kind of stuff in an elementary classroom. Uh, I, end, I teach higher level stuff, so um, this isn't something I would ever use in my classroom. But I think that Nintendo Labo is definitely a good way to teach kids about STEAM. Um, and apparently I'm not the only one that thinks so. Nintendo and the Institute of Play are teaming up to bring Nintendo Labo to elementary classrooms nationwide to, to promote basic STEAM principles, uh, and help make learning more fun, which is, you know, as a teacher, I understand that sometimes learning is not fun. Sometimes it's just work but it's always awesome when you can also find a way to make it really enjoyable at the same time. Uh, so this is, you can find this information at labo.nintendo.com classroom. Uh, and it says here, uh, Nintendo Labo is heading to schools across the country in a new program designed to inspire kids with fun learning activities. Uh, during the 2018-2019 school year, the program will be in approximately 100 classrooms for grades two to four. Uh, you have to apply to get them to come to you um, and uh, I think that that's really really cool now the the big question as a teacher that I would ask and I don't see it here in the uh, in the frequently asked questions is how much does this cost? Now, what I would say is that my guess is that because you're applying to be part of this, it doesn't cost anything. Uh, Nintendo will bring you the stuff. They will let you show it off in your classroom, and then they will take all that stuff with them when they go, which is fine. I totally understand that. Nintendo certainly can't be in the business of giving away this stuff, but it's tough to like when you find something that works really, really well in your classroom, it's really tough to to say, well, okay, that's awesome, but I can't use it next year because we got to buy all this stuff. And I mean, just just if you look at the picture that they're showing here, there's in in just the picture that I am I'm looking at here, I see uh, one, two, three Nintendo Switches being used. That's a cost of $900 Nine hundred dollars for just three of them that doesn't even include the cost of using Nintendo Labo in the classroom, uh which you have to buy all that cardboard stuff, and you know you can use the switch over and over, but the cardboard stuff you would have to rebuy every year so While I think that this is awesome and I'm happy to see Nintendo do this, what I would really prefer is if they would make a if they want to do this. I think it would be much better for both Nintendo and the kids and the educators if Nintendo would work with the Institute of Play or whatever to make a cheaper version of the Nintendo Switch, something that doesn't cost $300 for one. And uh, if that means that it, you know, it doesn't have the, you know, I don't know how you can really lower the cost because the the Nintendo Labo uses the Joy-Cons for so much and the Joy-Cons are a big expense of the Nintendo Switch. I just know as a teacher, I don't like to use something that I can't continue to use uh, year after year. And this looks like it's just far too expensive uh, to be uh, feasible, I guess is the word that I'm looking for. Uh, But I'm curious as to what you guys all think about this. Let me know what you think about uh, Nintendo bringing Labo to the classroom. Uh, To sum up my feelings about it, I would say it's a really good idea, far too expensive to be feasible. And because of that, it'll probably never get used uh, outside of Nintendo coming to certain classrooms or... Um, you know, school districts that have ridiculous amounts of money because they happen to be in an area that is very influential and has lots of money because that's how we pay for our school system is by uh, property taxes. And the people who have buckets of cash, well, their their houses cost a lot and their property taxes are really high. And so those schools tend to have like the best programs and things like that. Whereas if uh, you live in a poor area, you're definitely not going to be able to afford to pick up something like this for the uh, for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Let me know what you guys think. I I think it's very interesting, but it's completely it's probably not doable. Dragon 2, the revenge for your Nintendo Entertainment System. Man, oh man, am I excited about this story. This comes to us via Nintendo Soup and the, the, the title is All You Need to Read, uh, Sega Dreamcast Titles on Nintendo Switch One Step Closer to Reality. Uh, this comes from uh, Nintendo Soup, and actually, if I follow the link to the, um, to the source, it comes from a Famitsu article, so of course, it's going to be a Japanese, and I can't read it. Luckily, the people over at Nintendo Soup translated it for us. They said uh, in a recent Famitsu interview, Sega's uh, Naoki Hori said that the company is close to successfully making Dreamcast titles work on Nintendo Switch through emulation. But there's still one question left unanswered. And here's what that question is. Basically, uh, there's two ways that you can really go about making um, a game work on the Nintendo switch. You can, or or, or, I'm sorry, a retro game. And it's weird for me to think of a retro game or I'm sorry, a Dreamcast game as a retro game, but it is, it is these days makes me feel really, really old, but what are you going to do about it? Um, there's two ways that you can make that work. You can either emulate or you can remake the game. Now, most of the time, emulation is really the only way you can do it. But when you have the source code of the original game, you can remake the game. And I'm not going to say it's through very little effort because there's certainly effort, but it's not as much effort as it would be to start from scratch and completely redo it from the ground up. And uh, Sega has the source code to these games, these old Dreamcast titles, and both approaches make sense for certain games. If you can get emulation to work, then that's probably the best way to go about it because it would cost um, Sega the least amount of money in the long run in order to get their Dreamcast titles up and running on the Nintendo Switch. That being said, some games probably push the hardware harder than others, and uh, this is very easy to explain. If you've ever tried to emulate N64 stuff, uh, some games will run really, really well, and some games will just fall apart. Um, I have a copy of uh, Ocarina of Time right behind me on the shelf over there, so you know that I've paid for it m- multiple times for crying out loud. And I tried emulating that on my Raspberry Pi because I don't have a connector that will hook my N64 up to a modern TV. So I tried emulating it on my Raspberry Pi to see how would it run. And I tried a couple of other um, uh, N64 games to just to test it out. And for the most part, uh, they didn't work very well. There were some games that worked okay, uh, the games that were a little less taxing, a little less demanding. But for Zelda, I, I mean, even just running it on the loading screen. It was it was really having problems like the, you could tell if you'd ever played the game originally, you could tell that it was just chugging, trying to run on my little Raspberry Pi because the sound was in slow motion. The animation was really, really low and it just didn't work very well. So Sega could easily port some games via emulation to the Nintendo Switch, but I'm sure that there's some games that really pushed the hardware of the Dreamcast, and bringing those titles to the Nintendo Switch through emulation probably probably would result in a less than optimal experience. Um, so I love that that Sega is working on this, though. I mean, we've got Sega Ages, which is uh, basically. And if you didn't realize it, Ages is Sega spelled backwards, so it's awesome. Uh, But basically, they're bringing their back catalog to the Nintendo Switch uh, and other platforms as well. Uh, So I'm excited about Sega Ages because they're doing other stuff that I really, really like. Things like um, in Phantasy Star, they are making it so you can uh, fast forward while you're playing, or it will automatically make a map off to the right-hand side. Those are things about uh, about Sega Ages that I love. I love how Sega is bringing these retro games to modern consoles, trying to fix all those things that didn't really work so well the first time around, but we didn't know any better because we were early on. Um, so I love that Sega is bringing... Uh, the Dreamcast titles, or they're working on bringing the Dreamcast titles to the Nintendo Switch. I think that that's really, really exciting, and um, I can't wait to find out what games they're going to bring. And so here's my question to you: I want to know what Sega Dreamcast games do you think are absolute 100% must haves for uh, playing on your Nintendo Switch? I would say uh, probably, probably my biggest one that I really, really want and this is going to be weird, I would love to play Crazy Taxi. I loved playing Crazy Taxi on the Dreamcast. That game was so much fun. It had a great soundtrack, and uh, racing around that city, picking up people, and delivering them to their location just never really got old, and I would love to see what... uh, I would love to be able to have that with me um, on the go. Uh let's see what, what cha uh, chad is saying. Johnny Link is saying he wants Space Channel 5. Uh Power Stone. Uh I never played Power Stone, but I played Power Stone 2. That's supposed to be a really good game. Uh the only other game Mikey B. Playing says the only other game that was hype for me on Dreamcast was Marvel vs. Capcom. Uh, but that went on without Sega. Yeah, you know, I really liked Marvel versus Capcom. I thought that, that was awesome. Uh, Seaman, I never played that. That was the one where you had like this fish with a face and you could yell at it to get things to happen. I don't know much about it, but uh, that, that was a weird game. And uh, I liked it, that Sega was doing some weird experimental stuff back then. Um, I'm excited for uh, Dreamcast titles on the Nintendo Switch. And I'm very curious as to what titles you want to see on the Nintendo Switch? Let me know. Got a quick uh, voicemail from someone who didn't leave their name, so I don't know who it's from, but thank you very much for calling in and leaving a voicemail. If you want to call in and leave a voicemail, you can do so at 260-RUN-JUMP. That's 260-786-5867. Keep it short, keep it quick, uh, and uh, ask a question. Tell me what you think about something, and we'll play it on the show. Uh, let, without further ado, let's let's see what they had to say. Hey, I'm London, I'm Sob. I listen to your podcast every day. It comes out. I'm a big fan. and um, I have a question for you. Um, would you. Which one do you think I should probably pick up? Starlink or Dark Souls? If you could please talk about it on your next podcast, that would be awesome. I, I love your show. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, calling and leaving a voicemail. I really appreciate it. Uh, it was a little hard to hear. Uh, but of course Google transcribed it for me so I could see exactly what you said. Uh they they were basically wondering what should they pick up. They've got two big games coming out right now. We've got Starlink and Rogue Legacy. Or not Rogue Legacy, we're gonna talk about that in a second. Starlink and Dark Souls. I've got Rogue Legacy on the mind. Uh but they want to know which ones they should pick up. And I have to say, without any information about what kind of games that you like. I would say that probably Starlink because Dark Souls is the kind of game that is made for a very, very specific type of person. Somebody that really, really likes a challenge and doesn't get frustrated easily. And I don't know if that's what you're like, but I feel like Starlink is made for a more general audience. Um, I would say that, I mean, even if... Even if you get in, if you get into trouble playing Starlink, you could, you know, if you have extra ships, you can just pop those ships on and pick up right where you left off. Um, Although it's perfectly possible for you to play the whole game without any ships. Uh, That being said, when you play Dark Souls, you're going to be slamming your face into the wall over and over and over again, trying to defeat these bosses. It is an extremely unforgiving style of game. And I think that's why a lot of people like it so much. So knowing nothing about what kind of games you tend to like, I would recommend that you would go for Starlink just because I feel like that has a broader appeal and uh, Dark Souls has a much more hardcore feel to it. And I would I would hesitate to recommend that to somebody who I don't know much about because you could easily get frustrated in that game and not want to play it anymore. Uh, But thank you so much for calling and listening to the show. Uh, You're awesome. I appreciate it. The Atari 2600. Now get up to $30 in rebate offers plus a free Pac-Man. This is probably the thing that I'm most excited about today. And it's stupid that I'm really, really excited about this because I've already played this game. I've already played this game a lot. I love this game. And I'll be buying this game again when it comes to the Switch. And it's not going to be very long. It's Rogue Legacy. And if you've never played Rogue Legacy, let me explain exactly what kind of game it is. It is a roguelike. Uh, basically, if you've never played a roguelike, this is how it works. You make a character. Well, actually, in this, you don't make a character. You choose uh, from a set of random characters. You go into the dungeon. You fight against the enemies. You get as far as you can until you get killed. Once you get killed, You then leave all of your belongings to your heir, the next person in in your uh, genial line, and they have all of your belongings. Then at the beginning, before they go into the dungeon, they take the gold that you've earned and they upgrade their characters. They upgrade what they can do. They uh, have whatever money that they have left over. They give to in this game death at the beginning, so they always start at zero zero dollars basically or in rogue legacy it'd be gold coins um uh you you uh give all the money to death, and death opens up the dungeon and you go in again and uh if you find where the boss is the next time you go in, it's in a random order every time you play the game the the dungeon is randomized. Uh, your character is randomized maybe you will walk on ceilings because you're dyslexic uh maybe you will be colorblind so everything is black and white um maybe you will um let's see maybe you're really fat and because you're so fat enemies have a hard time knocking you back and you knock enemies back really well um there's a million different well not a million but there's a whole bunch of different combinations of things that could happen to your character in Rogue Legacy And that's where the fun comes in. And not only is your character randomized, but the dungeon is randomized too. So every time you go in, you've got a brand new map to try and traverse and find your way to the bosses. Now, let's say you find a boss and you die fighting that boss. And here's what's going to happen. That's going to happen. You're going to die fighting the boss. So let's say you die fighting against the boss. You take the gold that you have, you upgrade your character as much as you can. You go back to right before you pay death the money. There's a guy who stands before it and you say, hey, can you um, lock the dungeon so that it's the same map that it was before? And he'll put a little piston down. It locks the dungeon open. And then when you pay death, he takes all your money and then you go into the dungeon. It's the same map as it was before. So you can get exactly to the boss and try fighting them over and over and over again until you are successful. Uh, Rogue Legacy, and this comes to us from Nintendo Everything. Rogue Legacy is an amazing game and it's coming to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, the, The planned release is for early next month. Uh, It says here, Rogue Legacy is a genealogical rogue light where anyone can be a hero. Each time you die, your child will succeed, succeed you. Every child is unique. One child might be colorblind. Another one might have vertigo. They could even be a dwarf. And that's okay because no one's perfect and you don't have to be perfect to win this game. But you do have to be pretty darn good because the game is pretty hard. Fortunately, every time you die, all the gold you've collected can be used to upgrade your armor, giving your next child. A step up in life and another chance at vanquishing evil. Uh, the game's going to come out for 15 bucks. I think it comes out on November 6th, which is awesome. That's actually in the U.S. That's election day, so go vote and then pick up Rogue Legacy uh, on the Nintendo eShop. I'm definitely going to be buying this game. I'm a huge fan of Rogue Legacy, and being able to take it anywhere is very, very promising to me. And I know that there's a lot of people out there who've played the game a million times and have probably already beat it both on the Vita, probably on the PlayStation, maybe on the PC, probably on, you know, whatever the Intellivision. This is a game that's been on a lot of different platforms and having it come to the Nintendo Switch is very exciting to me because it's just so great. And being able to just take it out and play it anytime is wonderful. This is one of those games and I know it's kind of a cliche, but this is one of those games that is perfect, perfect for the Switch. So Rogue Legacy coming on November 6th, I can't wait. I can't wait to play it. If you look at the Joy-Con with this strap, the Joy-Con with the strap, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty decent little controller. And it always surprised me when I first got this. I was like, you know, when I saw the video, I was like, I don't know if that's going to be comfortable to play on like that. But the first time that I did it, I was like, Oh, okay. That's actually pretty good. Now I will say this whenever I play with the joy cons and I don't have, um, like if I play with the joy cons, uh, if you're just listening to the audio of the podcast, then I'm sorry. But if, 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 if I ever play with the joy cons where they're split, where I'm holding one in each hand, and um let's say I'm playing, I don't know, I, I we'll say Breath of the Wild, because it's my favorite, it's my favorite game. Uh so let's say I'm playing Breath of the Wild and I'm playing like this, which I, I do sometimes. Uh this is how I prefer to play it, where they're split and I don't have the straps on the Joy-Cons. That being said, if I'm ever playing where I hold a single Joy-Con sideways, like like I'm showing to the camera now. Uh, I like to have the strap on there because it's more comfortable and it's much easier to hit the SL and SR buttons. That being said, most of the time I ignore third-party uh, accessories. I'm I'm I've never really been somebody who gets into third-party accessories, but I will say that I think that this is pretty good, but it could be a million times better. And it looks like there is a. Uh, a replacement for those straps. Uh, this comes to us from Silicon Era. And uh, basically, they're saying Cyber Gadget is making single Joy-Con mini grips that are more comfortable. And as you look at this, I really like the look of these because the, the buttons look like they are much bigger. The SL and SR buttons look like they're much bigger. And they're actually kind of pushed out on the outermost sides. If you're just listening, I would suggest you look at the uh, the link in the show notes. Uh, But they look like they've they've kind of pushed out on the left and the right side of the controller to make them almost like a wing shaped uh, to where as you get towards the middle of the controller, the buttons get closer, almost looks more like a trigger and I would say that that looks a lot more comfortable than the one that Nintendo designed. Now, there's I don't think that this is a bad design, the one that Nintendo designed. But I think that this one that Cyber Gadget is making, it looks better. And for the most part, I don't know that you can really screw this up uh, making uh, just some third party Joy Con rails. There's no electronics in it. All it has to do is have a matching rail. Uh so if you drop stuff sorry about that for the audio people uh if you've got the rail built the right way then i think that you're going to be all set and being able to slide these on and they look a little thicker too uh to make the controllers a little bigger and here's another thing if you keep scrolling down if you've gone to the show notes or if you're watching it on youtube or twitch uh if you keep scrolling down the bottom of them Actually has like these little lumps that I think that kind of give you something to wrap your fingers around. I think it looks awesome, and uh, I don't know how much they cost. Uh, it says the Cyber SLSR Assist Mini Grip Pair will go on sale on October 30th, 2018, and is compatible with the Switch uh, Joy Cons. I don't see a price anywhere on here, and I don't know if it's coming to the states. It looks like it might just be um, a a Japan thing, which would, that would be, that would be terrible because I think that these look great. And I'm very interested in picking up, uh, some, some, some improved straps for the Joy-Con, uh, before I go, and I'm going to try and find this on, uh, on Thingiverse. I think it's Thingiverse. Uh, this little thing that I'm holding right here, and it's this little white 3d printed thing. It's got a little Nintendo Switch logo on the bottom. You can't quite see it because the lights are so bright. Uh, this thing is really cool. And if you've got access to a 3D printer, it's a great way to store your Joy-Con um, straps because they slide right on the side. And if, if you're just listening, I'm sorry, but you'll see what it is. If you look at the link in the show notes, uh, usually I put my, my Joy-Con straps on this and then I just hang them from a hook in my office uh, and they keep them nice and neat all the time. And I can always find exactly where they are. Uh, very, very handy. So if you got access to a 3D printer, I will try and find the link to this on Thingiverse and you can print off your own version of this because it's awesome. So the music that you heard at the beginning of the show was by Bulby. You can follow their stuff over at uh, runjumpstomp.com slash music. And they've got this really cool song that I like a lot. It is uh, the Octopath Traveler Battle, and they remixed it as an 8-bit song, which is really, really good. So big thank you to Bulby for allowing me to use their music on the show. Uh, It's really, really good stuff. Uh, Don't forget that if you want the full show, if you want to hear everything that happens, make sure that you watch live over at twitch.tv slash If you're looking for videos that you can watch after the fact, you can check those out over at youtube.com slash runjumpstomp. And if you're looking for ways to support the show, there's lots of ways that you can do that. Head on over to runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. There's lots and lots of links there that will help me create more content. One of the best ways to help is if you already buy stuff on Amazon, just click on the Amazon link there. And use that as your bookmark for Amazon instead of your the the original Amazon link. Everything that you buy supports the show at no cost to you. It doesn't increase the cost of anything. Amazon just gives me a cut for sending people to them. Uh, so that is a really, really good way to support the show. In fact, the new studio lights that I have came directly from the support from you guys buying stuff on Amazon And then Amazon gives me a little cut of it. And over time, that added up to enough for me to buy these new studio lights, which I think, if you're listening to the podcast, you're like, what new studio lights? Well, if you're watching the show, then you you should notice that it looks nicer in here. It looks nicer in here because I've got these huge um, umbrella lights, which really... uh, Diffuse the light makes everything look much much nicer. So, again, thank you everybody for the support that has already come my way. You guys are amazing. Uh, the show wouldn't be the same without the live chat. So, I want to thank the live chat for coming by and hanging out with me today. Uh, they are they've been typing exclamation point here in chat so that I will notice them because they're they're awesome people uh, and. Really, there's uh, there's a bunch of people, but only three of them wanted me to call their names. And that would be Kodiak Moonwolf, who says, be awesome all. Johnny Link, who I saw streaming Marble Madness the other day over at Twitch, which was very interesting to watch somebody stream that because I used to play that game a bunch when I was a kid. And Bizarre Spidey Noir, I always feel like I'm saying that name wrong. Uh, he says, great show, RJS. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. You guys are fantastic I appreciate it. And I will see everybody next time until then. Bye-bye.